I'm a little bit shorter. So we'll bring this down a bit. I even have heels and I'm still shorter. <laughs> well, there's not really much to say about me. Um, I just celebrated 24 years of marriage, uh, June 12th, so that's, that's exciting. Um, and like Vanessa said, I have two kids. My son and daughter have their birthdays um, next month, so it'll be 21 and 19, which blows my mind. Um, they're growing fast, and I like to enjoy this time, this precious little time, as the, you know they're going to be going on their own soon. And um, my sister's here with me, Natalie, so I'm super thankful to have her here. Um, so about seven years ago, it was, I believe, in July, we started a backyard Bible study in the city of Montclair. Hello. And um, the Lord has done a neat work. Um, and in November, we started meeting on Sunday mornings. So we are on just that seven-year mark, and it's been, um, it's been a journey. And I'm just blessed um, by the women, by the men, by the servants, um, by my husband. And, you know, it's an interesting call. Um, we were, I, my entire married life, um, I was in ministry. My husband um, was a youth minister, and, um, and that was wonderful. And then the Lord called us to something new and something different. And my response after that first Sunday was, why didn't we do this sooner? This is wonderful. I love it. I'm just so blessed to be used by the Lord. Nothing qualifies me to be here except for the grace of Jesus. So um, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy and your kindness. I thank you for your strength and your help. And I thank you for these women. I pray that you bless every single one. I pray, Father, for those on their way, that you would protect them. I pray for those battling whether to come, that you would just, Holy Spirit, whisper in their ear, and they might choose to come. Lord, I pray that we would be able to lay, lay aside the cares of the day, whether it's rushing in from work, whether it's a, a tumult that happened at home, frustration on the road. Lord, to um, the pain in our hearts, Lord, that we'd lay it all at your feet. I pray, Father, that I would decrease and that you alone would increase. I pray, Father, that you would guide my words, that you would lead me. I pray, Lord, as I have written this message, Lord, I believe from you. I pray that you would lead even through it. If there's things I shouldn't say, Lord, strike them from my page. And if there are things you want me to say that I have neglected, I pray that you would bring it to my mind and that I would be obedient as I stand here. I pray that you would have your way in our hearts and that you would be glorified and that we would leave here today knowing just a, a little bit more of you, falling just a little bit more in love with you, and that as we leave, that we would behave more like you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, I had a different message prepared. But the Lord has shown me that that, maybe it'll be for another time, because he's led me in a different direction, but one that I believe is fitting. So we're going to begin in Ecclesiastes. 
Ecclesiastes 3. Beginning at verse 1. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Ladies, it's time to mourn. It's time to grieve. It's time to reflect, to remember, to honor. Our friend, our mentor, pastor's wife, a confidant, and an encourager that we were blessed to have in Jeanette. My prayer for you ladies is that you would quiet your hearts and allow the Lord to minister to the deepest recesses of your souls, that his word would be applied as salve to your wounds, and that in the midst of your grief, you would press in to Jesus. I'm going to turn to Psalm 34. I'm going to read to you Psalm 34, verses 17 and 18. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. Ladies, our Lord hears us when we call to him, when we cry, when we pour out our hearts, when we ask for help. And he doesn't just hear, because what comfort would that be? He rescues. He hears and he acts. He rescues and he doesn't do it from afar. Scripture says that he is close or near to the brokenhearted. And our Jesus rescues those who are crushed in spirit. What a beautiful Savior we have in Jesus. May we call out to Jesus in our time of need, in our time of trouble. May we bring our broken hearts and crushed spirits to the Lord. Why? Because Jesus hears and he rescues. Through this time of heartache and struggle, we will experience an even greater, at greater lengths and depths who our Savior is. And here we can learn that he is our rescuer and our help the one who hears us when we cry. Psalm 147.3. 
Psalm 147, verse 3. Again, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Here we learn that Jesus is our healer. Take your broken heart and all of its shattered pieces and give it to Jesus. He knows how to put it back together. Allow him to bandage your wounds. Let Jesus be your help, your hope, your peace, your strength, your comfort, your healer, knowing that he is so very tender that he collects every tear you shed in a bottle. They are precious to him. In the midst of your grief, your pain, your sorrow, allow Jesus to envelop you with his everlasting love. Let him wrap his arms of love around you. Let him be your shepherd. Let's turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 reads, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. What I learned from this psalm is that Jesus does it all. He is our shepherd. He provides for all of our needs. He gives us rest, rest to our very souls, rest that is peaceful and tranquil. And he leads us. He leads us by going before us. And he doesn't just go before us, but he hems us in. He goes before us and behind us. And he doesn't just go before us and behind us, but he indwells us. And he doesn't just indwells us, but he holds us in the hollow of his hand. What a beautiful shepherd we have in Jesus. He renews our strength. Any of you tired, weak, you feel like you're at the end? He renews our strength. When? When does he renew our strength? When we wait on him. When we trust in him, when we rest in him, he guides us. And ladies, it says along right paths. Jesus isn't leading us astray. He never takes wrong turns. And as tumultuous as the road may be, his path is right. No matter how much we struggle, disagree, hurt, or long for another way. 
maybe a detour, another path, another road. No matter how hard it is, his way, the path that he leads us on is right and sure. We may not understand. We may wrestle against. But even in times of sorrow, especially in times of sorrow, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 holds true. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is still true. We just need to be reminded because grief clouds and distorts our vision. It can get a little foggy. Our vision can be obscured. But we must continue to trust in the Lord with all our heart, not depending on our own limited understanding, but seeking his will in all things. And, his, and he will show us the way, the path, the road that we are to take. And we never have to fear because our shepherd Jesus is beside us. He goes before us. In this dark valley, in every dark valley, he is near. He protects and he comforts us. And though we may not feel like feasting and our grief may cloud our vision, truly our cup overflows with blessing. It can just be hard to see right now. God's plan for us is good, and his love is unfailing, and our hope is that we will live in the house of the Lord forever. When I struggle, when I battle with the will of our Father in heaven, I am reminded that Jesus struggled too. Let's turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be looking at verses 36 through 39. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. And he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed to grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus himself was in anguish and distress. He can relate. His soul was crushed. He was grieved to the point of death. He understands our pain. His, faith, his prayer, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. But it wasn't possible. And Jesus was praying, Father, if there is any other road, any other way, can we do this differently? He is lamenting 
to his father, crying out in desperation and anguish. And in the midst of his great pain, he shows us the way. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, Father, yours. The ultimate prayer of submission and surrender. And as hard as it is, our wills in every situation must yield to the Father's. You know, I'm indebted to Jeanette for a few lessons that she taught me, and I'd like to share those with you. Love for the word of God. Jay treasured God's word. She hungered for it. It was evident to anyone who ever spoke with her or heard her teach. She was passionate about the word. Knowledge of the word. Jeanette didn't only love God's word, she knew it. And she had the wisdom to rightly apply it to life situations. She used the word like a surgeon uses a scalpel, exacting. She wasn't careless or haphazard. She was precise, applying the word for the need of the moment. And she could teach. Boy, could she teach. I loved listening to her teach. She would exhort encourage, correct. With such passion and power and conviction, she was forthright and very skilled. She was gifted. And when I think of Jeanette, I think of Romans 11, 11, the second part of the verse. Romans 11, 11. It says, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient. So God made salvation available to the Gentiles. But he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. I know that seems like an odd verse, <laughs> but here's the relation. You see, a Gentile's relationship with God, salvation through grace, was to provoke the Jewish nation to godly jealousy, to see the Christian life so enriching, so transforming, so life-changing, that it would provoke the Jews to return to the God that they once rejected. You see, that's what Jay did for me. With her love for the word of God and her knowledge of the word, I wanted what she had. I wanted that passion, that zeal, that fire for the word. And I was 19 or 20. She taught, I don't know if it was a conference at the church or a retreat. Um, but 
I wanted to know the word like she knew the word. I wanted to love the word like she loved the word. And she could teach it. And I haven't stopped pursuing Jesus and his word since. Learning of him through the study of his word daily. She provoked me like we Gentiles are to provoke the nation of Israel. To love the word of God. To want to go deeper. I remember her saying, if you don't want to read God's word, do it anyway. And ask the Lord to change your heart. Pray for a love of God's word. And God has been so very faithful. On June 13th, I was in my bathroom getting ready. And my husband walked in. And I knew something had happened. And he told me, honey, Jay's home with Jesus. And my heart was divided. I was still praying for healing. And my heart broke for Randy, for Tracy, and Mark, and Jamie. For the grandchildren, for you ladies, and your beautiful congregation. My thoughts were immediately, Jesus, we lost a warrior. Do you know how bad it is down here? We can use all the warriors. But then I also rejoiced. She's home. She made it safely home. And Jay is with her savior. She has heard, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Isn't that what we all long to hear? Isn't that what we live for here today? She's heard him saved. But I felt kind of like Elisha. When he saw his master depart to heaven and proclaim, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And I hurt for the body of Christ as a whole. Because like I said, Jeanette was a warrior. A warrior who knew how to wield her sword. And I thought, Lord, we could really use her. This battle's getting crazy. I mean, have you watched the news lately? Just the wisdom to apply the scripture to the situations of the world. And hopefully it provokes us to press in, right? To learn, to stand, to be courageous. And so I'm going to look at 2 Kings. If you'd like to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2. That's that story. When Elisha must say goodbye to Elijah. And I find it interesting because he knows it's going to happen. He knows it's coming. And he keeps saying, don't, don't tell me about it. Don't talk about it. I know, I know. Shh, like he didn't want to talk about it. Um, but here we go. Second Kings chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And then I'll show you, uh, explain to you why this came to my mind and heart. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. 
So they went down to Bethel together. And the group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. Man, they traveled a lot. <laughs> but again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elisha and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided. And the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elisha said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. And as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteer of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided, and Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what had happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. When Joel told me about Jeanette, I thought of this story. Jay's influence was good, and it was great. And we could use her on this battlefield. She was a phenomenal teacher, exhorter, and encourager, and she spoke truth with power and conviction. She was inspiring, and she made the listener want to know Jesus and his word more. But our Heavenly Father well, Psalm 116.15 reads, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. June 12th was precious to the Lord because Jay is now home. But like Elisha, we remain. We're here. And we cry out, and there is distress, and there is tearing, not of clothes, but of hearts. And so what do we do? Let's learn from Elisha. Elisha was bold enough to ask for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Ladies, we are living in some pretty wicked and evil days. 
Jay finished her race. She has laid down her weapons of warfare. But we still have a race to run. We still have shields to raise and swords to sharpen and wield. So for those of you who want it, I'm going to take a lesson from Elisha and ask for a double portion of Jay's spirit. That we might walk in obedience, that we might serve in humility, that we might know the word, that we might know our Savior, that we might teach those in our circles with conviction, and that we might live the truth with conviction. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you, and I thank you for this body of women, and I pray your blessing upon them. I pray that you would comfort and encourage their souls, and I thank you for the example that we have in Jeanette. Lord, I think of Hebrews 11, that hall of faith. What examples are there for us to follow? Well, in our own personal Hebrews 11 in our own lives, we can add her as an example to follow. And right now, I want to ask, Lord, on behalf of these women, anyone who, who would desire, Lord, that they would lift their hands, Lord, to you, and that you would pour out your spirit, Lord, a double portion of Jeanette's zeal, of her wisdom, of her understanding of your word, of a passion for your word, of a commitment to your word, of a faithfulness to you and to your people. Lord, I ask that you would raise up these women to be used in these last days. Lord, that in our time, we would be like Esther for such a time as this. You have chosen us to remain. May we be faithful to answer the call. May we walk in truth and integrity. May you have your way in our hearts and our minds. May our wills bow to yours. And may we lift you up. And may we exalt you so that you are glorified and that many are saved. Lord, these women, when they go to school, when they go to work, when they go to the grocery store, Lord, might they just shine for you. And as Jeanette provoked me to jealousy, may they provoke those they encounter to jealousy. And when they ask us for the reason of the hope that lies within us, may we share the gospel May we be found faithful, Lord. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray.